Okay, cool. So who's gonna kick us off? Let's go episode three. Five. Five. Four. 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 It's Four. 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 <laughs> Welcome to What A Way To Go, with your hosts, Sarah Austin, Claire Daly, and Ellen Nagamer. This is a show where we sit around, we drink a bit of wine, and we talk about unusual deaths, near misses, and interesting slash bizarre stories. So... None of us have heard the story of the other two, we hope. It's all kind of in real time. We're very orderly, so we go in a clockwise fashion, talking about the stories that we have come with this week, reacting to them, listening. We enjoy it. We hope you enjoy it. We bloody hope you enjoy it. We, we hope, hope so. It. And if, if my stomach grumbles are being picked up, I can only... Apologise. Yeah. Mm. Sorry about daily stomach. We're going for dinner in approximately <laughs> one point five hours, so just bear with her. Us, all just of us. Had all a of little us. pret egg sandwich. Do you know what? My sandwich choices are so boring, but I swear by them. Just a little egg sandwich. Egg mayo. When Why I not? when I used to eat eggs, I loved them. Yeah, mate. And egg mayo sandwiches, egg cress sandwiches exactly. are amazing. I tell you what, my life hack is was before I was a vegan. Prawn sandwiches. I tell you who does a good one, Waitrose. Mm-hmm. And then you buy a bag of spinach or rocket, and then you shove half a packet of rocket into that sandwich, and it's delightful. It takes you about an hour to finish it, <laughs> but it's delightful. This is a life hack. It's a life hack. This is a true life hack. That's good. I think I've seen you do that actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh. I tell everyone I meet, <laughs> buy your own you pack them. of salad, and then put it in. Yeah, a tell little... us two truths and a lie. <laughs> To buy salad and I really love Rocket, basically, is my li- lie, my truth, <laughs> my, my real life. So you're, you're living your truth every day. Yeah. Everyone's got to have their thing. It's yeah. true. That's, That's true. That's mine. Was mine. Now I'm a vegan and I just eat hummus. No, yeah. <laughs> Red wine. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my thing now is hummus and gherkin sandwiches. Ooh. Oh, God. That yeah. sounds weird. Mate, they are so good. I did it when I was being quite frugal, so I had a cup of soup and then just a hummus. <laughs> <laughs> Sandwich. I think that sounds incredible. It was so board. nice. It was really good. A little bit sad. No. Yeah, in some ways, but it's a taste sensation. So cool. Sriracha right. is my new taste sensation. Mm. Everyone needs to get on board with sriracha avocado if- and gherkin on a bagel. It's divine. And that's the end of our cookery podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining in. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Cook along with us. Anyway, um, so Daily goes first. Yes, I'm going to kick off. So she's just going to jump right into it. We've heard we the pre. Pre-podcast chat, we know it's a bummer. It's a bit of a bummer, Mm. I'm sorry. Brace yourself. I'm talking about the Lake Nyos disaster. Oh, okay, I've not heard this. I'm probably, I will just say now, this is set in Cameroon, so I'm probably not pronouncing any of the places right, and I sincerely apologise. I'm just going to say them as I read them as as an Anglo, Anglo, not Anglophile. Anglo-Saxon. Anglophone. (laughs) An Englishman. I'm reading it as an Anglophone, so I apologise if I get any of this wrong. So anyway, Lake Nyos is a lake in northwestern Cameroon which, in 1986, killed over 1,700 people. Fucking hell. What? This is bananas. Oh, my God. And what I'm going to try and do now is Mm. what I've always kind of hoped that I could do but probably can't is make science and geography cool. Hey, you can do (laughs) whatever you you want. Slash interesting. So You can do what you want. This story begins with a little geology lesson. So I want you to imagine the area, the region that Lake Nyos is in is a volcanic region. Mm-hmm. 
and effectively you've got this big lake sitting just on top of a big like bubble of magma Oof. so the magma isn't coming out it's not exploding like a like a <laughs> volcano because then it would be lava not magma oh, okay. 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 this is the science part mm. this is the science bit so it's magma it's still sitting under the ground but right. it's very very close to the surface which has then got a lake sitting on top of it sounds like a fucking nightmare mate. right fucking crazy town so anyway, you've got this extreme heat and then all of the fucking poisonous, bilious gases that exist within magma. This is like some dangerous stuff. You don't want to be breathing this in, right? And you've got it like a matter of... I don't know whether... It, I did not find out how close to the surface it is, but it's close to the surface. That's fine. So anyway, basically, you've got Lake Nios, which is sitting there, mm-hmm. and underneath it is getting massively heated by the magma, and the magma is kind of like pushing loads of carbon dioxide and sulphur gases and all of this nasty stuff into the water of the lake. However, that makes what we call supersaturated water. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm trying to make science like interesting. Anyway, so you then basically got supersaturated water that's full of all of these dissolved hideous gases. That makes sense. Um, so if you've got like carbon dioxide, it's turning into carbonic acid. So you've got this water, but it's supersaturated, so it's heavy, right? So it sits, it just stays in a pool at the bottom of the lake. Right. I don't know if you've ever seen like um, where you have like brine lakes under the sea where you have like super, it's in a lot of David Attenborough stuff, it was in Blue Planet, but basically you kind of, you can be underwater. Super but then salty. It, yeah, and it looks like a lake, but you're already in the sea and then underneath there's like a lake. It's really weird. Look it up. It's just the, sep- the separation. Yeah, so, so basically. Like if you have oil on water, it's like you exactly, can see Exactly, yeah, yeah, but it's water on water. So anyway, so normally on a, on a normal day, this is not an issue. However... On the 21st of August, 1986, effectively, this thing called a limnic eruption, a.k.a. a lake overturn, happened. Um, there's a little bit of a debate as to how this happened at Lake Nyos, um, but the generally accepted reason is that there was like a landslide that went into the lake and effectively disturbed all this rank, super saturated, full of nasties water and disturbed it all. And so basically the entire lake effervesced so all of the dissolved gases started to come out so you had a fizzing lake with like an insane amount of gas coming out of it piping up into the air literally hundreds i think it's like 100 feet um 100 meters 330 feet column of water and foam forming at the surface of the lake knocking down trees like (gasps) this is massive absolutely massive sorry if you're going to go on to it like how populated is the area around the lake well Oh, you're going to go into it, sorry. <laughs> so, um, basically, so imagine like a massive, massive belch coming out of this lake. Belch <laughs> wow. of like, and which I might do later because I'm drinking IPA, but um, <laughs> a massive belch coming out of this lake of like loads of carbon dioxide, loads of like horrible sulfurous um, gases belching out of this lake. It suddenly goes fizzy. The, the lake turns red because of all like the oh, iron that's wow. in, the, in the chemicals as well. So, basically, it's like in a snap second it is it's gone from a nice peaceful lake to like absolute foamy hillscape so this big belt happens and then the problem is you've got loads and loads and loads of carbon dioxide so between 100,000 and 300,000 tons of carbon dioxide are released in this event bearing in mind this event has knocked trees down around the lake so you have this big belt of it all coming out and carbon dioxide is heavier than water so it starts to sink away and basically like slide down the valley and out away from the lake and out towards the villages. So you've got this huge invisible cloud of carbon dioxide 
slowly sinking towards all these villages. Um, this happened in the middle of the night. Oh, so, no. Yeah, so so every, no one knows it's coming, basically. Ev- no, everyone is in bed asleep. So basically, yeah, carbon dioxide is about one and a half times as dense as air, so it caused the cloud to hug the ground and move down the valleys where there are various villages, uh, the villages of Nyos, Kam, Char and Subum. About 400,000 inhabitants actually managed to flee the area, but as I said, 1,746 died. So obviously people were waking up realising they couldn't breathe, not knowing what was going on. So I, I, I just I think about like the people that are waking up suddenly essentially suffocating yeah. but they're just like they've just been lying in their beds like oh they don't goodness. know what's happening it's like it's carbon terrible. monoxide poisoning in general you just don't know it's hitting no, you yeah. until it's exactly end, basically exactly so most of the victims unfortunately died in their sleep I told you it was a bummer I'm really sorry really big bummer yeah. <laughs> yeah so basically um, a doctor there said they, the people had been poisoned by a mixture of gases including hydrogen and sulphur um, he described the symptoms including burning pains in the eyes and nose, coughing and signs of asphyxiation similar to strangulation as like being gassed by a kitchen stove. So like absolute, absolute horror show. Um, you've got these 4,000 people that had managed to flee. Um, a lot of people are massively injured. They go to, um, hosp- they like rush to the main hospital in Yaoundé, the, ca- the capital. Yeah, it's a total bummer. So basically people were just gassed in their sleep by oh a lake goodness. that was just up the hill. Um the one good thing to kind of come out of this event was that they have worked out a way to prevent it ever happening again because wow. there are some other lakes that could do the same thing. They have the yeah. potential, and I think they have actually in the past. Um, yeah, Nios is only one of is one of only three known exploding lakes to be saturated with carbon dioxide in this way. The others being Lake Manoon, also in Cameroon, and Lake Kivu in the DRC. So, like, there are other lakes where this should be prevented, and effectively, all they need to do is like put a little, like a almost like a straw. Um, into the super saturated water so you get like a, a self-propelling bit of kind of oh, wow. slow release carbon dioxide yeah. and fizzing so it releases it slowly over time rather than one big belch. Oh wow. Oh my goodness. Um, so that's the Lake Nyos disaster and it's a bummer but I thought it was incredible. That's really, really interesting because again like it's a bit like the Boston Molasses disaster yeah. that I did which is it in normal everyday life that would never have happened but it was just kind of because of this this and this mm, it all yeah, happened these, at once that these things yeah so there's together. there's like I said there's a different like a few different theories as to what happened some people think like a minor volcanic eruption might have happened or like a massive input of fresh water um, but I think a landslide is probably quite likely um and yeah, so how do people manage to escape? Is it because they were further on? Yeah, I think they just they like further down. They, yeah, they. I, I, I don't saw. know the kind of. Um, I don't know what the rationale would have been to like wake up. I can't breathe. Just get out. I guess presumably initially you try and get outside, but then outside is just full of carbon dioxide as well, um, which must have been absolutely horrifying. <laughs> yeah. When was it? So eighty six. Right. Not so. Not really. Not that long. No, ago. No, not really, really that long ago. So there we go, Lake Nyos. It makes you pretty grateful, I guess, to live somewhere where, like, we, like, the UK, we don't have a lot of shit. Not, yeah, like, kind of natural disasters looming over us. But, you know, people live in, like, bloody California, like a massively populated state in in the US is right on an earthquake zone. Like, there's so many, so many, like, cities and places where people just live that are right in the middle of volcano the mm. parts of volcanoes or earthquake zones or tsunami zones and people still do it it's bonkers yeah. well we had an earthquake like two weeks ago didn't yeah. we there was Did an they? earthquake in wales and parts of um the midlands and it was like six 
six was it on the rector scale yeah i missed that we do have it it's just obviously not very often and obviously we just don't have lots of other natural areas that add to it i suppose Mm -hmm. but things like this like you wouldn't necessarily you wouldn't know it was coming you wouldn't know it's coming because it's not they don't live near a volcano necessarily yeah they just live near a lake yeah um so it kind of a big lesson was learned from this and it's such a simple solution with the little pipe yeah well it's amazing that they've managed to decide that that Mm. is the way that Mm -hmm. you can circumvent it yeah makes sense wow there we go that was a bummer but yeah very 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 interesting very interesting thank you you're welcome thanks dells (laughs) anyway all right over to els els okay mine is not a natural disaster uh, mine's the story of Clement Valendium. I'm not sure if it's Valendium or Valendigum. So I'm just going to call him Clement after sure. this part. Um, and sure. he uh, accidentally killed himself whilst defending his client. Oh, what? Mm, interesting. So he was a lawyer and he was also an Ohio politician. A what? Politician? Ohio. Oh, sorry. From sorry. Ohio. <laughs> that was not clear. Um, no, it was. I just, I just wasn't listening properly. Ohio. I get it. Uh, in the 1840s to late 1860s, he was mostly a politician. He was a Democrat. Of course. Boozy was he a boozy one? Boozy Democrat. I don't know how boozy Ugh. he was, but it was the mid-1800s, so, so I quite. feel like mm. everyone was half-cut most right. of the time. Mm. So Well, you know, they boozy. thought beer was more healthy than water. So Which it probably was. was. Yeah. Probably is still. Probably, sure. probably still is. Just a caveat: we don't actually think these. Things. It's a joke. Sure. Just in case someone's like, "Hey, fucking ticket." That's us. <laughs> Say that to each other, guys. Is beer better than water? I don't know. Depends what you want. Depends where you are in life. So, he was a Democrat. He did have some quite terrible views, though. <laughs> so he was quite up. Mm, sorry. Sure. I don't. We mentioned this in the previous podcast, but isn't there a time when Democrats and Republicans were reversed anyway? So I think so. I don't know enough about it. Yeah. But reading this, maybe that, oh. maybe that's why. I think so. So he was. So he was pretty big in politics during the American Civil War. I'm not going to go into it loads. There's a lot about him. This is not a politics podcast. And my, my mate William from yeah last exactly. Episode. And also, and this is going to come as a bit of a shock to you guys. I'm not a huge expert on the American Civil War. Shut up. Hold I don't the phone. know loads about it. Hold the phone. I don't know really? a lot about it. What about it? all those lectures you gave? What <laughs> <laughs> about the, all those drunken nights when you just talked about America? Going on, on and, and on, on and on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I mean, it's a shock, but let's just carry on regardless. Yeah, just, hey. So, yeah, I, I don't know loads about it, but from what I was reading, because he was not a fan of Lincoln... And Lincoln was a Republican, mm. but we, you know, and the reason that he he led a faction of the Democrats that were known as the Copperheads, and they opposed the Civil War, and they opposed the Civil War because they were not for abolition of the slave trade. Oh they did not believe in civil liberties. So everything that he kind of stood for, to me, felt very Anti, opposed to yeah. what I would think of as, a, as a, the kind of liberal yeah exactly he just wasn't very liberal (laughs) okay whereas a stick in the mud (laughs) yeah whereas lincoln was a republican and he was kind of the person who is seen as pretty key and to make things better for exactly um so yeah so that made me think there must have been a bit of a yeah maybe maybe i mean yeah i don't even know that i know that was a thing but i don't know the years so 
But there's loads to kind of read about, and if anyone's interested in the... Just Google it, guys. Exactly. We're not here for that. Google it, because you can find shit loads about it. (laughs) So anyway, I am going to skip through his role in the American Civil War and go straight to the end of the war and beyond. Um, So I'm going to take us to 1860... Well, not really 1867. In 1867, he he basically lost his campaign for the Senate and for the House of Representatives, um, and he resumed his law practice. It is worth mentioning that in 1871 he he did do a bit of a U-turn on his view, so this may have been the turning point for the Democrats. I don't know. Again, okay. Google it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we don't give a fuck. <laughs> it doesn't alter this story. Do your it's own fine. fucking research. Um, so he turned the Ohio Democrats over to the new departure, which pledged to secure equal rights to all persons um, without distinction of race, colour or condition. So he did do a big... U turn then. 1871, key year for him. Shame that's when he kind of came to his senses because it would prove to be his last year. Fatal senses. So, old Clement, he was working on what he thought was going to be the case of his life. So, he was working in the town of Lebanon. In Ohio? In Ohio. Wow. Didn't know that. Okay, cool. Middle East. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, in Warren County in Ohio. So he was representing a na- um a nan. <laughs> this this nana. So he was representing a man um by the name of Thomas McGinn. He was on trial for the murder of a man named Thomas Myers. Just thought I'd keep things really simple by two men the same mm. name. Mm. Basically, yeah. I mean in the eighteen hundreds there was like ten names or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tom, <laughs> Sam. So the two Toms had been involved in a bar fight on the previous Christmas Eve. Thomas Myers, who was the man who died, had pulled a pistol from his pocket. Um, two muffled gunshots were heard. And then Myers, Myers, Myers made a couple of wayward shots and then slumped back in his chair, lifeless. So there was quite a lot of commotion in the bar when this all happened. So no one really knew what the story was. But the name that kept coming up again and again was Thomas McGann. Um, so people knew that there was kind of bad blood between Thomas Myers, who died, and Thomas McGann, who was in the bar and part of this bar fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the judges in the... Ca- I don't know how... Again, <laughs> surprisingly, I don't know how the American legal system worked, particularly in the mid-1800s. But the judges, they were satisfied. McGann was their man. So he was on trial for murder. Now, our men. Clement, our man, Clement comes back into the uh, picture. So he was representing Thomas McGann. So we get to the point where things went a little bit bad for him. Um, He, on the evening before the closing arguments, I think, he had a theory as to what he thought happened. And so he went to test his theory. So he took a gun and a piece of cloth into an open field and he wanted to test how much residue was left when a pistol was shot at close range at point blank range Some early doors forensics I like. mm, yeah because exactly. a lot of people have even like on csi they have like how much residue you've got left mm. in your fingers or your hands if you shot a gun mm. that's still a thing isn't it today still a thing today was a thing then as yeah. well so he he was going and testing this and then three live rounds remained once he was done proving his his theory once he was back in the hotel where he was staying now, there's slightly conflicting evidence, uh, not evidence, stories as to what happened. A couple of things that I read said that this happened in the hotel where he was staying. One thing that I read said that this happened in the courtroom 
I think it happened in the hotel. I'm not 100% sure, so I'm just going to go with the hotel. So the story is that once he was back in his hotel, he conferred with his um, defence lawyers as to how he could prove that Thomas McGann was innocent um, and that Myers had actually shot himself accidentally whilst he was retrieving his pistol from his pocket. Oh, wow. So Kermit demonstrated this. He picked up the pistol that he thought was not loaded. He put it into his pocket and then he began to reenact the events that happened on the night of the bar brawl. And Dahlia's looking really I'm so stressed. You're starting to stress me out, man. So he pulled the pistol out of his pocket. He pulled the trigger and he accidentally shot himself in the stomach. He sank into a chair and he said... I have foolishly shot myself. Um, the bullet didn't kill him straight away. He was operated on. But unfortunately, the surgeons couldn't locate where the bullet was in his body. And 12 hours after he accidentally shot himself, he died. Ironically, I think he did actually save McGann by proving his point. he yeah. proved that that could potentially, possibly have been the way that Thomas Myers killed himself. I guess he died doing what he was intending to do. He did. Um, Sadly, Thomas McGinn actually died four years later. And he was shot. Oh, no. And he was shot in Hamilton. So, I mean... It wasn't a good time for anyone getting shot, really, to be honest. Everyone was drinking nothing but beer and doing nothing but shooting. Yeah, exactly. And what, a hundred and whatever years later? We're still doing it. We still can't get rid of those fucking guns. Mm. But yeah, that is the case of Clement Vallon... Who... Can you spell it for us? V-A-L-L-A-N-D-I-G-H-A-M. I I don't know whether it's D-A-M or D-A-M. Valandime. Valandime. Yeah, it sounds like dime. Oh, okay. Valandime. It's a weird, like, it's silent... Couple of guys in there. <laughs> a couple of silent guys. Something in there, silent. <laughs> pronounce something. Yeah. So good story. That's a good one. Yeah, quite interesting. Quite sad. Yeah. I mean, they're all. I mean, yeah. Sad, none, of it's, none of it's great. Okay, so over to Sarah. So. I feel like it would be useful to remind. Yeah, squares. Sarah. Sarah. Sarah, Austin, Sarah squares. Whatever you want Sarah to call Austin. me. Multiple nicknames. I've really made this table incredibly damp. I'm really sorry. Don't tell our producer. No. Uh oh. Um, so I just at... so you know, it's with beer, not with any other things. <laughs> just FYI. Just FYI. Some beer. That's what it was. Um, so I'm actually also taking us back to 1986. Oh, Ooh. big year with my story. Well, it was it was a big year. Els. You were, no. Because it was my yes. year of yeah. birth. Yeah, so obviously thanks thanks to me for being born that year. Well done. But also I'm taking you back to 1986 for the event that I'm going to be talking about. It was it was literally an event, an event that was meant to be light and fun, but ended up being a complete disaster. Uh-oh. I'm going to tell you the story of Balloon Fest 86. Hello. And also a little bit of a callback to last episode because it's also a story with a link to the Guinness World Records. Love it. So we're heading over to America. Uh Specifically, we're going to Cleveland in Ohio. Back to Ohio. Yes. But actually, how weird is that? 86 Ohio, 86 Ohio. That's really weird, actually. Oh, I like it. Okay, cool. We're in September. 
And the Cleveland Balloon Fest was intended to be a harmless fundraising publicity stunt. It was a fundraiser to beat Disneyland's previous record of most balloons released at once. So the previous year, so 1985, Disneyland had released a shit ton of balloons and broken the world record of balloons released at once. And then the following year, Cleveland decided, oh, we're going to we're gonna smash that, lads. We're just yeah. going to get on with that. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to do it too. So this is the story of that. Um, so it was a hard... Just to interject, I can't even guess how people are dying in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no idea. I've got some. I've got some. I've got some stories for you. So this was a, a half a million pound stunt. Wow. Everyone was in on it. It was a really big deal. Everyone was like signed on the dotted line. Everyone wanted to do it. Everyone was supportive of it. Um, the 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 whole thing was coordinated by a guy called Treb Heining Henning. Um, it was called Balloon Art by Treb. He was a, an LA based company. He spent six months preparing for it. So basically what was the start of it was they they built a rectangular structure the size of a block of a city, like a whole block, so like multiple buildings. It was three stories high. It covered, it was basically a huge mesh net um, and it was set up to hold the balloons. So the idea was that they were all blowing up these balloons, helium balloons and normal balloons. So they would all be held by the net. Yeah, so it would kind of look like a big block of balloons. Yeah, and then eventually they'd release them and Mm -hmm. they'd they'd go. Um, So inside the structure, there was 2,500 students and other volunteers that had spent hours and hours and hours filling the balloons with helium. Everyone was excited. Like I said, the whole town got involved. Like, it was a really big deal. It was really fun, like, really lighthearted. They were taking on Disneyland and their previous record. Like, it wasn't meant to be anything other than just a bit of fun and everyone's having a good time. Other children, so, like, like they would sell Girl Scout cookies. Children sold sponsorships to benefit United Way, which was the charity at the heart of it. So you could you could buy two balloons for a dollar to sponsor them to be floated up into the air and the idea was that it would be like this massive structure of balloons floating into the air lovely lovely it's lovely nice, well know. yeah and actually yeah I'll go on to it but like the images are amazing <laughs> the images are amazing of it we'll put some on Instagram obviously but the images are incredible um, so basically they to ensure they succeeded in setting their own world record they had had initially planned to release two million balloons oh word so that's no too one, many that's too a lot it's a lot too so million too many no wonder there were so many <laughs> volunteers and people helping but there was actually quite a a bad case of inclement weather so that it threatened it storms forecast later in the day so the events organizers ended up releasing the balloons early at about 1:50, like 2 p.m they managed to release around one and a half million balloons into the sky so still half a million less than they anticipated but still a shit ton of balloons. Are they being Disney with one and a half million? That's what I want to know. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, the idea that they were still they were still beating them doing that. Um, the balloons erupted upward and wrapped around Terminal Tower in a spectacular display. It looked incredible, and like I said, there's there's amazing photos. It looks really really lovely. It's the balloons are encompassing buildings. They're very colourful, like multicoloured. It looks incredible, but although they are beautiful, the results were disastrous for the environment and the city and unfortunately no one was really prepared for the effect the rain would have on the released balloons oh my God. so the for- when when the rain came it, it was forecasted but i think that maybe people weren't aware of it as 
you know, obviously how forecast changed, like it can it can happen mm. that day that things turn deadly. But when the when the rain came, it wet the balloons and caused them to descend without popping. And then the wind carried the balloons to Lake Erie, which is where the heavy torrents pushed them into the water unpopped. So all of these helium balloons were pushed back down after they floated up and they were just everywhere in the city of Cleveland and then obviously reached the lake. The balloons were so grand in number that they clouded the skies. But then the bigger problem came when they landed. As I mentioned, they disrupted traffic wherever they fell and they even affected planes in the local area. So Burke Lakefront Airport had to shut down one of their runways because of the wet and pop balloons that they just couldn't get rid of in time and planes couldn't take off and planes couldn't land. The balloons disrupted nature all across the board, even down to the local animals. The owner of several expensive racehorses sued the United Way, which is a charity, after her horses injured themselves out of fear. Oh, they just didn't know what was no, going on. Poor little puppy. Yeah. <laughs> they panicked. It was so unprecedented they didn't know what was going on. She sued um, for £100,000 on behalf of her Arabian horses, and it, well, that, that shit's expensive as well. well she, I mean, yeah, she was obviously a, a very like prestigious breeder and she eventually won. Um, the latex balloons were biodegradable, but it took several months for them to break down. So even though the event happened quickly, the aftermath continued for quite a while afterwards. But the kind of the, the crux of the entire situation and what people hadn't realised with the situation that happened when the balloons fell rather than rising into the sky um, in the midst of the balloon chaos that the Coast Guard was in the middle of a search and rescue of two missing fishermen whose boat had capsized on Lake Erie when the balloons were released. Um, The Coast Guard claimed that the balloons which settled on the surface of the lake because obviously they were filled with helium made finding the head of someone fighting to stay above water impossible. Sadly, the two men were later found drowned. They weren't able to save them because they couldn't find them in time. And, and yeah, so in consequence, the organisers in the city faced lawsuits seeking millions of dollars of damages. The wife of one of the fishermen sued United Way for over $3 million and subsequently won. And even weeks later, because obviously they they were biodegradable, but they were full of helium, so it lasts for ages. It's not like when you blow up a balloon yourself, it just pops itself or, you know, it it dies quite quickly. But weeks later, thousands of deflated balloons were still washing up on the far shores of Lake Erie, which is obviously a quite horrible reminder of such a terrible tragedy. So, yeah. Oh, my God, that's fucking great. That's Well, not great. It's a great story. That's a really good <laughs> yeah, story. Yeah, so, I mean... That is not great. It's it's really, really bittersweet. So it was something that, you know, Cleveland really wanted to do. They'd seen, they'd seen Disneyland doing it really recently. They wanted to release all of these balloons. But obviously, Disneyland is a closed area where there's not a lot of real life going on. It's a bit like not informing people around you that you're doing something really different. Yeah. And yeah. then obviously it's, with that Coast Guard search, like, the, the, the people that had capsized already, that would have happened anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact they weren't able to be found quickly because there were so many That's balloons, horrifying. like it's kind of a, a really horrible chain of events. And honestly, because I'd seen the pictures before I'd read the the rest of the story the pictures are incredible mm. it looks lovely there's so many multicolored balloons it's literally taken over an entire sky of a city it looks incredible you wouldn't think that it would turn into something so dire and something so horrendous mm. it's kind of it's kind of weird but yeah like really sad really really sad that's fucking crazy i just think 1.5 
million balloons. Yeah, it's a it's lot of balloons. So many. It's yeah. a lot of balloons. Too many. That is. That's like the lake. A huge. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, we go. It's like uh, Nios. That's just a. It's an almost unfathomable amount of balloons. Like mm. as soon as you get into the millions, you're like. How many fucking people do they need to blow those up? But also, what was the what was the process? Like, you're going to blow up 40, mm. or you're going to blow up 100 times whatever, and that's X amount. How many do you need if each person is blowing up 100? Uh, let's not get into this. <laughs> my my like, maths is as bad of, as my science. Loads of people is what I'm saying. Shit tons of people. Mm-hmm. Literally everyone in, what was it, where was it? Cleveland, Ohio. Everyone in Cleveland, plus their helium tanks. Extended families. I'm gonna put some. I'm gonna put some of the the pictures on Instagram because honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it looks incredible, but lesson learned. Yeah, these are the things, the lessons. I do think I I'll have to confirm this, but I do think they broke the record though. <laughs> I think 1.5 million was more than Disneyland. That's good. There you go. Well done. Also, well done so that's that. literally this the month after Lake Nyos. Yeah, September. Yeah, Lake Nyos is August. Yeah. How weird is that? That's so weird. And then and also Ohio. That's so weird, isn't it? Because also, this is my first choice for a story. Like, I was going to do something else. Like, yeah. Guys, what else happened in 1986? Squares was born. In July. Yeah. July, July August, July, September. Oh, fuck. You're fucking cursed, mate. I am. Yeah, fucked yeah. out. You started it. I started yeah, it. You opened their mouth to hell. Yeah. Fuck. Did I? Because and then you went, I'm going to start a podcast to talk all about all this shit that happened. In 2018. From now on. 31 years later. Only things that happened in 1986. Yeah. Imagine that as a theme. Christ. Who was number one in... Well, not my I think... Do you know who was number one? Kylie and Jason. One? No, that was mine. That was mine, mate. <laughs> no, I think... No, for sure. No, we had on. this conversation once. Yeah, because it's the best January the 1st, 1989, Kylie and Jason, especially for you. Especially for you. And who would want anything else? Tune. Fucking tune, mate. Perfect tune. What was yours? I just called. No, lovely. I love you. I just. I mean, I will. I'm not going to carry on. No, do. I'm literally Googling it. Did I tell you? Billy Ocean. There'll be sad songs to make you cry. What's that? No idea. <gasps> if I was born on July 19th, it would have been Invisible Touch by Genesis, which is easily one of my top five songs. I don't know that. Oh, my God. I probably know it you without You probably know it, it but yeah. you don't know it, yeah. Fell in love with... No, wait. Oh, no, no. I'm actually going to have to play it. We're going to cut this. It's fine. Yeah, it's kind of ringing a bell. Wait, let's just get on it. You'd know it if you had... It's so 80s. <laughs> I think we can get away with 30 seconds of this. It sounds like a... Uh, this is honestly... Game one show of... intro theme. Anyway. Nice. Did I tell you a very depressing moment where I was talking to a girl... We were having this exact conversation and there's a cool, a cool girl at work. Um, girl crush. And a girl crush at work. And she was born in the 90s. And her number one on the day she was born was Shakespeare's sister. Perfect. Stay. Stay. She'd never heard it before. Fuck what? off. I fuck was off. like, fuck off. First, she ain't a girl one, crush then. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> She's not a cool two, girl, how mate. How dare you? How yeah. dare you? How, how cool can someone really be if they've never heard Shakespeare's sister? <laughs> Stay. GTFO, mate. <laughs> and also, hello. GTFO. French and Saunders take on <laughs> Shakespeare. Which was like infinitely better than the original. Brilliant. 
So good. Oh, so good. All of it. I can't believe that. That video used to scare me quite a lot. <laughs> it is quite it's scary. Quite, it is quite, quite scary. dramatic. Okay, so we're going to do some girl crushes, which we are going to do every week, where basically we talk about women who are inspiring to us this week, who are giving us life, or who just like look quite good, sound quite good, whatever. Just talking about women that we like. Yeah. So mine, I feel like mine this week is obvious, but maybe it's not that obvious. Mine this week is Emma Gonzalez. Okay. Right? Yes. 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 Who founded Never Again. Yeah. So basically, she as a survivor of the Parkland shooting in Florida um, and since then has just been a total badass advocate, vocal, incredible um, advocate for gun control and her fellow students. Speaking with incredible passion for someone who is 18 or 19, the internet is not sure how old she is. Um, I just think she's incredible and she is, yeah. she's inspirational and gives me genuine hope. Like I know this, it's so easy to say like, oh, you know, kids today, they don't know this, they don't know that, they're stupid, all they do is want to, like, I don't know, Like, there's, there's a lot of, like, very lazy stereotypes you can have about kids, and not millennials, because she's even younger than yeah, millennials, she's not, right? Yeah, she's not millennial. We're, but I we're think, like, they're fucking smart, they're fucking woke, they are, they're just inspirational and strong, and I love... Emma Gonzalez is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I think that's such a great, great one. Els, what's your girl crush this week? Okay. Um, can I just do two? You can do two. Okay. Those Only if they're intrinsically related. They no, are intrinsically You can do no, whatever you like. You do what you like. It's not really to do with this week, but I was saying to Sarah earlier, like, I don't really know what's happened to me this week. I feel like I've not engaged with a hell of a lot, and I don't know if it's the snow, because <laughs> maybe the snow's been a bit of a big deal. I don't really know. I very hungover on Sunday and it just kind of carried me through the week so anyway I was trying to think like mm, who should I do this week so anyway I was just thinking about it and I'm just going to go with Alana Glazer and Abby Jacobson because Yay! I fucking love Horse City it is brilliant I just yeah so I was just thinking about how much I like them because I followed them on on uh, Insta. Instagram um, on the gram on the on gram. gram and um, and also, like, I always think about an episode that they did in the latest series, and they just, like, were very celebratory of women. So they did, it was like a Halloween kind of special, but they, like, where Abby finds a grey hair, and then Alana's like, oh, a you're witchy. a witch. Yeah. But, like, they had, like, this whole montage at the end, and I watched it, and I cried, and then I was like, oh, I've, I've got PMT, that's why I cried. But then I watched it again without PMT, and I cried again. So I was like, oh, this is just true. <laughs> it was, all the, really it was all the inspirational women. And they're latest series was so politically charged but done mm-hmm. so well when um elana couldn't come since, yes since trump's been elected she yeah can't it's so good it's very good it's, it's amazing good. i haven't seen it oh like, I, my I, know goodness. I, I know i need to get into it's it because so i think it'd good. be perfect for me but it's I just haven't. they're just so funny and the way that they take on issues is brilliant because it's kind of i mean it's not subtle but it is mm-hmm. funny and they mm-hmm. do have something to say and they say it really well and i just mm-hmm. they um heroes so mine is my girl crush is samantha power don't know if you would have heard from Mm. her before but basically my boyfriend and i watched the obama documentary the Mm. other night Mm. the the final year so samantha power um she's i'm gonna read it from wikipedia just so i get exactly what her (laughs) details are about so she's an irish-born american academic author political critic and diplomat who served as the united states ambassador to the 
United Nations, 2013-2017. But actually, so in the um, documentary, she's, she's a really big deal. So Obama isn't in it as much as you would think he would be, but she is a lot. And obviously, she's just incredible. She's a very, very important person. She does a lot of the kind of overseas trips. She goes to a lot of the countries that the US is trying to work with on a better thing. She's gone to um, where the Boko Haram took all of those young girls. And the way that she deals with the people that have been affected by tragedy is just so human. But when she met all of these people, she was like really credible she cried on a couple occasions she the stuff that she did she just seemed like she was in it and she wasn't in it because it was a job she was in it because she was a real person she really cared about the final end results of this and i just loved her for it i mean so was she visiting families of girls she was, that were yeah. taken by Boko Haram? Yeah, so she went over there She and she went to lots of different countries. There was lots of things and she she fought with Barack on, on quite a lot of different things. But she came at it from like a female point of view, from a mother point of view. And it was credible because she's got so much heritage in kind of the UN and all of the stuff that she's done. And she's obviously a quite a big academic. And I just I just loved her because she wasn't willing to not cry. She cried in certain situations. She she let the kind of feeling overwhelm her. There was shots of her talking to her son and her son was like a bit of a... Well, like he was just flippant towards her and she let that affect her and I just loved it. Yeah, I really recommend the final year. It wasn't... I mean, it didn't give you any drama. It didn't give you anything that interesting but it really goes to show what Obama did in the last couple mm. of years and how much of a legacy he wanted to leave. Um, But yeah... Samantha Power, she's my nice. girl. she's my girl this week. Nice. Really recommend the documentary The Funny Year. It's on Netflix for free. It's on Amazon for paid. So have you watched The Letterman? My next guest needs no introduction with Obama. No, no. there's lots of Obama stuff that he's done recently so that I have. Oh, good. So it's Letterman, right? And the premise is that the audience come to see Letterman do so because he's he's massive talk show host, massive talk show host. And so now he's got a Netflix series which is just called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. And the premise is that like an audience come to see him and they don't know who the guest is. And his first was Barack Obama. That's incredible. <laughs> like, incredible. It, like, and people lose their minds when he introduces him, of course. Of course. And he gets like a 10 minute standing ovation and it's super interesting. There we go. Three stories, three girl crushes. Three stories that happen to be... Quite similar, again. Really, but like the 1986 thing within two months of each other and then the Ohio thing... Yeah, really weird actually. Hey, what can but I love say? it. But I love it. Like episode three, we were all the firsts. Episode four, we're all quite similar again. Episode five, big. We have no idea where episode Nothing, five is no going to be. We no haven't link. had any. I've so far, I've done the only near miss, right? Yeah, yeah, you have actually. Yeah. I need to literally buy a DVD box set of I Survived because there's <laughs> such a fucking wicked one in there, but you can't find any information out about it. I need to see the program. And then to know regularly to you. Okay. Well, so we're we're off. Up. we're off. We're off. But yeah, like David said last episode, if you've got any near miss stories that you'd like to share, that you're willing to share, we'd be really keen to hear them and even potentially have you on the show. Um, please email whataway.pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're on Instagram and Twitter again what a way pod if you want to find us and follow us we've been sharing in images and 
be able to see a picture of Lake Nyos and oh. the balloon. The balloon fair. situation, the balloon. yeah. I'll put one of Clement on. Yeah, well. all of us, all of us be on there. A lovely portrait on Wikipedia. <laughs> yes, of absolutely. Course. And hopefully we'll see you next week in episode five. Episode five. Woo. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 I felt like a twat saying that. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>